Stephen Cluxton is on the pitch. He is togged out for Dublin. Are you sure he's not a mascot, Joe? I am 100% sure he's not a mascot. Stephen Cluxton is part of the Dublin panel today. I'm surprised as anyone, Joe. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave with your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. This is News Talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Thursday Night's Off The Ball. It's Richie McCormick here with you right through until 10pm tonight. On the show, we will have the Women's Six Nations show within in which Fiona Hayes and Alison Miller will discuss and uh, possibly just in the direction of where Ireland can head after that demoralising defeat to Wales last week they only have one of the co-favourites for the tournament in Cork this Saturday the football show as well will have the uh, latest crisis at Tottenham discussed and how they will cope with Fabio Partici's potential uh, banning from world football it's a uh, pretty awful situation for a director of football uh, for a club to find himself in and the managerial switch at Bayern Munich uh, it is Nagelsmann out Tuchel in we will talk that with Rafa Honigstein and we'll get the definitive word word even on Ireland's performance against France from John Giles you can text us on 53106 uh, for 30 cents you can tweet us and off the ball we'd be delighted to hear from you either way join in studio by Will O'Callaghan Will how are you? I'm alright Richie I was wondering where you were going to go with that I didn't know either uh, it's, it's been one of those days uh, Amory Donnellan as well welcome. Hi Rich It has been one of those days because I don't know if anybody heard but we're kind of knocked off air for later <laughs> on a substantial period of time and there was like this period where we didn't even know what studio we were going to be in and there was pieces lined up for the afternoon that they had to fall by the wayside and we found much better guests to replace them as yes, a result exactly so let's just talk about the upcoming weekend at Wrestlemania Well, shall we? yeah we do, do half an hour on this SoFi Stadium it could be, yeah. It's, See how much abuse can come in. It, 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 it'd be torrential, uh, the abuse, uh, I think. But yeah, there we go. And merited. Well, <laughs> well, just mostly because it's us two, you know, Probably. just waffling on between ourselves. There was briefly a podcast back in the day. Remember in the early days of COVID? Yeah, where it was like, crap, we've no sport to actually cover, so yeah. let's launch a pod and do it from home. Yeah. And then realised, actually, we can't watch 17 hours of wrestling no, every we week. And people, I still get DMs and people are like, is the podcast coming back? <laughs> and they're going, hey, I don't have time to watch even one show a week now at this stage. See, this we're back is, to normality. This is the thing. We, are abs- we're, we were far too honest for that podcast because we could have just bluffed our way through like an hour every week and decided that we were going to you know cover whatever and talk about what the main talking points were but there was no chance we would have seen anything close to what we needed to have seen no uh, we set the parameters incorrectly as well we started watching two to three different promotions because again there was nothing <laughs> happening and they were carny enough to continue to run TV programming yeah. when the crowds weren't allowed to be there yeah. and so therefore it was like oh well I'll watch one show Rich you watch the other and then we'll kind of come together and even now I wouldn't be able to watch enough I don't think I've watched a bit of the WrestleMania build outside of YouTube clips Yeah, that's uh, more than enough speaking of kind of uh, narrow or sorry fallow landscapes as were uh, this week obviously brings the end of the international week but I thought during the week it was one of those weeks where it wasn't necessarily a case of like you're scrambling for this and that it was there was nice room for stuff other things to breathe and I remember kicking back looking at the uh, the the, uh, the bulletin for one of the nights it was like most of this is like women's sport and I think that might have been like one of the first times that like the majority of a bulletin would have been given over to which is yeah, uh, which is quite something and I think I mean there might be something in them to uh, at least possibly explore the avenue of not having a full programme of women's Premier Division games of a Saturday when they're smothered by Premier League action and I think last night showed what is possible when you do have a little bit more room to breathe in terms of in terms of coverage I know people have outside jobs and they're not full time etc etc but you know it was nice to have them given their own spot as it were 
Yeah, I noticed that as well recently with the bulletin, at least the top three stories or so were women's sport. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, the frustrations, though, the simplest things that just are so obvious on paper that don't happen, like you say there, in relation to like being squeezed into things. I've never understood the WSL and the Premier League, how they literally work against each other almost, as in Chelsea men's team may play in London on a Saturday and then their women's team in Liverpool on a Sunday or possibly even on the same day. I I don't understand it. How are the fixtures not collaborated with? They probably feel that they're two different markets as well and to an extent that probably is a reality. No, it is obviously reality and you're not totally focusing in on one market but are you not shooting yourself in the foot somewhat? Probably a little bit. Shooting yourself in the foot brings us nicely to the, the Katie McCabe story last night. Mm. I could actually hear a national intake of breath like I hadn't heard in so very long last night when that injury happened because I got about three different pings in WhatsApp groups going, Katie's gone down, she's not looking well. I was like, oh dear God, no. Oh dear God, no. And so I saw a tweet that was, no, no, she smiled when she was coming off and you're kind of thinking, okay, maybe it's not that bad. And then you go back and watch the video and you see the very clear grimace as she was coming off the pitch that this looked like a nasty one. But then you find out afterwards um, they didn't seem too concerned the Arsenal management about it being a long-term injury yeah. and it would appear that that news has now kind of played out as well because We've had a few times where people have gone into boots. Remember Evan Ferguson not that long ago left Brighton. We and Nathan for the season. He was Nathan, back next week. Nathan yeah. Murphy was catching him on his uh, video, and you're thinking, "Oh no!" And Nathan Murphy thing. frightened a ge- frightened a generation of football fan. Yes, they with did. those videos. Yes, he did. He was like, oh, "I'm suddenly like down in the tunnel at, at Brighton." Look, he Evan played Ferguson. a week later. He did, he? Yeah. yeah. And like everybody that Sunday was like, "Oh dear God, oh dear God, it's over. Irish football is dead forever." I think increasingly, Richie, as well, the the moon boot is used as a protective measure to make sure that the injury is not made worse. So therefore, things sound miraculous. Miraculous, by the way, because yeah. you were talking about this last night in, in, on, 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 without wanting to give out in the way on WhatsApp. It's like, yeah. oh, Moonboot does wonders. I was like, does it? How do I get one? My feet are in bits. I don't know. I, so you don't play for a professional team. I don't think the off-the-ball office has got Moonboots ready to go. Not yet. Yeah, exactly. Not yet. If you want to sponsor us Moonboots, for any of us who slip in the canteen or anything that might happen along the way, we'll happily take them. <laughs> we have a canteen. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sliver that has a coffee maker. Would you get away? <laughs> uh, but like, do you know what? In a weird way, do you know the way they, they always say that well-worn... Um, expression was a pleasure or sorry uh, pressure is a, is a pleasure and you know, you're kind of you know you're delighted to have the luxury of feeling under pressure etc etc but wasn't it nice to in a way to have somebody some, somebody and something to worry about as regards a summer football tournament because yeah. you saw like a major injury and you're like oh, we have a World Cup to look forward to Mm. In the back of your mind, like that's 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 what it is. It was a Wayne Rooney, David Beckham style moment of potentially, you know, a bad foot injury that's now going to curtail the rest for season and will it be a race to be fit? Yeah. The only good news is here we are last week in March. It should be a time, okay. even if it wasn't. Um what seems to be as minor as it is. Touch wood. That's as yep. much wood as that thing out there as a canteen, but that's uh, another story uh, for another day. 5316, as I say, is the uh, text number you can tweet us at Off the Ball. The news round is in association with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night edition available now. And Marie, I believe we're starting with where we're heading at 8 o'clock. Yeah, Ireland head coach Greg McWilliams has made five personnel changes for Saturday's Six Nations clash with France. That game taking place at Musgrave Park. Dana O'Brien is promoted off the bench to make her first tournament start at out half. Vicky Irwin also comes into the back line that's in place of the injured Enya Breen. Christy Haney's named in the front row while Linda Dujong switches to loose head. Grace Moore and Derva 
Nechavard start in the back row. Uncapped pair Clara Nielsen and Catherine Buggy then are in line to make their debuts off the bench. Yeah, we're going to be talking about this in uh, great depth with uh, Fiona Hayes and Ali Miller after 8 o'clock on the Women's Six Nations show. Um, it's you can see why they've made the alterations they have in the front row because that's essentially how they more or less finished uh, on Saturday last against Wales but the closer this game comes into view the more worried I am about what might transpire at Musgrave Park on Saturday I know yesterday uh, um, Anna O'Connor talked about it not being damage limitation but there certainly has to be an element of that on Saturday Last seven games against France have not gone well last two visits of France to Ireland in this case they're going to Cork to Musgrave to play them this Saturday but France have put I think it's 47 points both times on Ireland in most recent uh, memory and at this stage you just look at the age profile and the caps profile of the Irish team and it tells its own story really going into this game and 10 has become a problematic position where really over the last three to four years there hasn't been a settled 10 possibly Ireland's best 10 options are playing seven at the moment and it's one of those key positions that you want to get nailed down is your out half who's going to control the game and Ireland are having to mix and match and then also you lose your starting outside centre for the rest of the tournament as well that channel just has not been able to be consistent for quite some time and it's not Greg McWilliams I mean before that they had you know they were mixing and matching at 9 and 10 continually and Ireland can't seem to get a settled group of players there and I think we were saying the office earlier on that if you look down through the squad the amount of players who've got very few caps or picked up maybe two or three of their caps in Japan on the tour at the tail end of last year mm. there's a severe lack of Six Nations experience and I would say a severe lack of physicality across that team too the only shining light would be I remember Wales were terrible a couple of years ago and look at how good Wales were last weekend but all the right things were said in the build up to the Wales game to paint the impression that there was going to be some sort of a development even from last year and then on Sunday morning we're all having the same conversations I think there was an element of blind date about it in that you never really knew what kind of Wales you were going to be facing until the 80 minutes were over and you've taken a scolding as they did well particularly the first half mm. um, and it was a real wake up call like, a, like in, a, in a way that I don't think we really see in uh, in top level sports uh, all that often it was a case of there was hope and maybe in some in some corners a little bit of expectation that we beat Wales but for it to be completely reefed from under you is a very uh, chastening thing I think is, is probably the way upon it yeah, I mean, look, it just goes to show that uh, professionalism and trying to close that gap is going to be an important thing for the RFU to do over the next while with women's rugby. But just handing out professional contracts will not mean that there'll be an upturn in form straight away from the national team. Yeah. Um, and I can understand where they're coming from now at this stage because the sevens team have got a really important tournament in Hong Kong. They're in the middle of qualification for the Olympic Games. So therefore, I can totally understand why the two groups are being kept separate at the moment. But there's so much talent on that sevens team who've been really important for the 15s team in recent times as well that's now ripped away and players have got huge experience across that team as well that's very very difficult to try and compensate for this is, this is a longer term project this is not going to turn around in one Six Nations cycle no no. there's, a, there's, there's kind of an almost a taking your medicine kind of aspect uh, to this uh, Steve Borthwick has made a uh, pretty familiar uh, appointment to his coaching staff with England Amory he's confirmed South Africa assistant Felix Jones will be added to his backroom team the former Ireland fullback will take up a coaching role in 2024 after the Springboks World Cup defence this autumn yeah, yeah, seems to have uh, been very well thought of in the coaching realm and uh, will be a good appointment for uh, for England when that does eventually come to pass. As we alluded to there, the news around Katie McCabe, not as bad as perhaps we might have first feared. Yeah, good news 
news for Republic of Ireland fans as Katie McCabe's injury, as you say, not thought to be as serious as it once looked. The Ireland captain underwent a scan in London today after limping off in Arsenal's Women's Champions League win over Bayern Munich last night. That victory sent them into the semi-finals. The 27-year-old, who is due to skipper Ireland at the Women's World Cup in July, was in a protective boot after the game. But it's understood the injury is not long term. At the moment, or tonight, Chelsea host holders Leon in the competition. That's in their quarter-final stage kickoff at Stamford. Stanford Bridge is at 8 o'clock and the hosts go into that game with a 1-0 aggregate lead. Meanwhile, it's 1-all with 69 minutes on the clock between Wolfsburg and Paris Saint-Germain. So the German side lead the tie there 2-1 on aggregate. We've had a text in from Sarah and from Condra. This is going to get tongues wagging. Would losing Katie McCabe for this World Cup be a bigger blow than losing Roy Keane Keane in 2002? from Sarah Andrew Condra that's a hell of a question it's probably on par in terms of blow yeah I think it would be you consider the conversation every time Richie around the Republic of Ireland playing and style of football and everything else is could we clone Katie McCabe and have her to be able to play left wing back but also be able to play further forward it's always the discussion around if Ireland could be more ambitious Katie needs to be further up the pitch and uh, sometimes it's worked sometimes it hasn't and Vera Powell will always go for her system which is going to have and she wants Katie McCabe to be involved so she thinks the best way to go is that left wing back I think it would be a huge blow to me there's two crucially important players for Ireland that need to be on the pitch if they have any aspirations of getting out of the group that's Denise O'Sullivan and Katie McCabe I think if they lost either of the two it takes so much of a creative fulcrum away from the team at a time when Ireland don't have a top striker who's going to be able to feed off scraps anyway I think if you take either of them away it would be massive definitely on a part with losing I think the, the defence probably doesn't get enough of a, a look in there as well the likes of Louise Quinn at the back mm. are, are huge and have such experience built up now at this stage and such familiarity with what Vera Pell wants to do that they are lost too I think that's yeah. Comparable. If you take it, they're probably Nephi and Louise Quinn are the definite starters within the three. Right. And then maybe, say, Aoife Mannion, who's been very impressive since declaring for Ireland, would probably, might be the third. Like, Louise Quinn and Fahey have got like 100 caps. I'm That's really? just huge. Like. The leadership of Katie, though, you can't underestimate. And even what she's going to gain. Roy wasn't a good leader. And even what she's going <laughs> to gain in the next couple of months, like possibly going to a Champions League final and being involved in a WSL title race. So she's obviously the leader in that dressing room. Even that's turned around a lot though. Like there was genuinely a feeling where I think Arsenal fans didn't want she her to go to Chelsea. Fate, yeah. But there was that feeling that maybe she has become expendable at Arsenal and maybe this transfer might actually happen, particularly when Chelsea are offering a British transfer record fee allegedly yeah. at the tail end of the window. There was that feeling that maybe Katie might go to the team that she supports and go play for Chelsea. And now she's become crucially important for Arsenal again. You could see the reaction even from the Arsenal fans last night was a big concern for them with the Champions League particularly. Uh, thank you for your text, Sandra. 5306, as I say, is the, uh, the number... Uh, Vicky and Sligo we built this city on sausage rolls any more mishaired lyrics Richie? <laughs> we won't go for the mishaired lyrics Vicky tonight thank you though uh, for your text uh, Amory I wanted to get to this Shane Long story before we uh, before we run out of time it's an interesting one he's um, I don't want to say come out against Stephen Kenny but it seems like to a degree he has 
uh, and in a very unusual way. Yeah, he has. Uh, Shane Long has outlined what he says was his worst moment in football. The Tipperary native, who has been capped 88 times for the Republic of Ireland, has not featured in almost two years under Stephen Kenny. His last game, that friendly against Qatar in 2021. Speaking on the Kay and Ash Share Your Voice podcast, the 36-year-old describe an incident he felt snubbed in. Here's a listen. So obviously when you you kind of come into the ranks, you get a high number in the Ireland squad, you know. Um, I remember Kevin Dye was number nine for a long time. Anthony McKean was number 10. Richie Dunn was number five. And uh, once Kevin had, had gone to America and that and he kind of left international football, I was given the number nine shirt. And I was, you know, so proud to have that number. And I had it for years. And then um, Stephen Kenny called me into the squad and he called me, Seamus Coleman and Darren Randolph to, um, he wanted to start a new tradition of welcoming the new players, you know, just get, give them the first Ireland jersey, you know, having a little speech saying how proud I was to make my first appearance and just introducing them to the team, which I thought was yeah a great idea, you know. So Seamus Coleman steps up. I think he had Darrell O'Shea, he gave him the number 23 jersey or whatever. Darren Randolph um, stepped up. Uh, I think it was Queeveen Kelleher. He gave the jersey to another high number. And I stepped up and it was uh, Adam Eda. And I was delighted because Adam Eda is obviously, he's a Cork City. You know, he's a bit of a culty like myself. So I was delighted for him to, to get called up into the squad. Young guy, you know, big potential. So I gave the speech and just saying, you know, it's nice to see another country lad coming through. And I held up the shirt and on the back was number nine. And I remember just handing that jersey oh. over. I just wanted to just storm out of that room. And if it was at club level, I would have left the club. That would have been me gone. That was a manager making a statement. Bit strong, isn't it? Very strong towards the end. This idea that if it was a club, he would have he basically saw the transfer and left. That'd be one of the most ridiculous reasons for someone to seek a transfer from a club. Yeah. That's to be up there. Like, that's silly. That's childish stuff. So like, this is Shane Long, who, who uh, I've, I thank you, Transfer Market. His squad number history for the Republic yeah, of Ireland. Uh, 17, 17, 17, 14, 19, 22, 14, uh, and then it's a bunch of nines, uh, to be fair. I think seven. How long do you hold the nine for? Seven years. Okay. I think, yeah. And then 18, 18, 9. I associate a lot of his years at number nine, though, as being an impact sub, even when he was wearing nine, though. Yeah. But, like, it's squad numbers at international level. I sp- like, Matt how, Doherty how does Matt, Exactly. How does Matt Doherty feel going, like, from two to three to seven to ten to whatever he's mm. he's worn in the last while because he kind of jumps all over the map? Well, would he care if Stephen Kenny turned around and went to give Chidossi Ogbené the number seven shirt? I'd hope not. Mm. Do people really get hung up on that kind of thing? Especially at international level. And especially when you're in your, your mid-thirties. As, as Shane Long is and, and definitely was I think by that stage Well at the club wouldn't it also be something very different so if you're the defined number nine so yeah. therefore that indicates that you are the first choice striker yeah. and you're told to go to the young book in this case Adam Ida, yeah. and hand him the number nine shirt yeah. it's a heavy indication that Shane your time at the club is probably coming towards an end at international level is a bit strange like, I mean, this was meant to be ceremonial and international wasn't it? It's just handing them a jersey and has them numbers on I think the numbers might have been incidental Emery? But it is like the ceremony factor of it, yeah, that seemed to bother him. Like it's obviously there's two sides to every story and we've only heard his side there. And it's it is surprising if Kenny kind of almost intentionally went out to do it because we know so much in relation to how Kenny has developed players under him and given players their first Ireland caps and stuff. So from that regard, I was surprised when I heard it. It didn't sound like Stephen Kenny. Shane Long's well within his right to be annoyed about it if he wants. It's it's not something that I think would annoy every player. Like he was coming towards the end of his career, perhaps for yeah. the Republic of Ireland. So that there's an extra sting in the tail there. 
that but I think it was the ceremony and the sense of embarrassment and he said he f- it was the lowest moment of his career hasn't he gotten relegated from the Premier League and we're Reading you know it doesn't he compare also, it doesn't compare with having to change your international number has, Richie he also <laughs> he also brushed upon just in context before the clip I played there uh, losing the the qualifier at Wembley he, he brushes over that but let's talk about the jersey he played in the France game at the Stade de France yeah. as well wouldn't he have done yeah he got relegated with Reading it's uh, probably a lot of low moments he lost a final if I turn on a six would you be upset with losing the number nine jersey in the ceremony to Adam Eda? I think it was more his career, his international career is coming to an end he can see that what if he played Roy Orbison's It's Over in the background as he did it or Bye Bye Baby by the Bay City Rollers he- he wasn't an indisputed starter, though. Not by that stage, no. Yeah. 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 Uh, without wishing to be mean-spirited, and I don't think this question is, uh, John and Carlo, what is with the interest in Sevens Rugby? Why is it getting priority over Union? Asks a Hjorn and uh, Carlo. Because it generates money would be one of the main reasons why. Rubs thumb and forefingers together. Makes Indeed. the money sign. Yeah, no, it does. And I mean, like the women's team have realistic aspirations of competing on the World Series and getting to an Olympic Games. So therefore, you also have a director, Rugby and Anthony Eddy, who's got a clear interest in sevens. So therefore, there's going to be a certain amount of attention put towards there. And I'm sure when David Nusifor and Anthony Eddy were appointed, there was probably a certain amount of thinking, particularly on the women's game, that the seven series was there to be had and to try and do really well at but long terms are not doing more damage than what whatever about the short term because short, short term obviously there's, there's issues with players being elsewhere but long term you can ask Ali Miller about this I will. in an time because Ali was in that position where there was a tug of war over her selection she yeah, was yeah, one yeah. of those players who was really good at sevens but had come off the back of getting to a World Cup and finishing up in fourth place at that World Cup and there were weekends where there was crossover a bit like now where some of the players wouldn't be available because they were away playing sevens I think the defined 15s and seven squad is probably the right way to go in the longer term even if it means that you're spreading your talent a little bit thin but I can see totally why the RFU would see this as a way um, not just to finance the sevens team, but I would say quite a bit of the pot of money that comes in for the fifteens may well be coming in from the sevens as well. Yeah, uh, Jason in Dublin says all this jersey stuff sounds very rugby union slash lions to me. Uh, thank you for that, Jason. Wait, that doesn't happen in rugby at all, though, don't they? Like you get your one to fifteen, unless you're like England at the moment, where the names are on the back. You only play the position that you're in. Having that in union doesn't belong in that. Doesn't belong in cricket either. I still have a problem with people having names on the back of their but on their jumpers yeah. in cricket as well. One one day I can understand. Spoiling good knitwear. Yeah, a squad squad number in one day is fine, but in test test cricket, no. Wear your whites and move on. There we go. That's see, that's that's from a cricket man as well. Uh, You'd have an issue if you were not getting game time. Other than that, there'd be no problem. I'd say that's from Frank, who's uh, watching slash listening to us on the YouTube's. Thank you. Keep them coming. Uh, Interesting move from the Premier League today, Emery. Yeah, Premier League club owners have unanimously approved changes to the rules surrounding owners and directors. New disqualifying events are being brought in for those found to have breached human rights or been placed under government sanctions. The list of criminal offences has also been extended, meaning anyone guilty of violence, corruption, fraud, tax evasion and hate crimes will be unable to run clubs. Oh, that's, so good. that's, that's good that that's, yeah, that's all squared up. <clears throat> Is it backdated? Just I don't actually know. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know. Maybe might be something. Also that's about a, a time when two of the biggest clubs in uh, the Premier League were for sale. Uh, I didn't want to say that. Uh, but yeah, Joe and Tip. Hello, Joe. Uh, Erling Haaland had to wait until his fourth season playing for Norway uh, before he got the number nine jersey. Uh, there's probably something to that. Yeah, yeah, it's a decent point. But we do have some Erling Haaland news. 
Yeah, Manchester City striker Erling Haaland missed training today as the champions prepared to face Liverpool in the Premier League at the weekend as the league returns. The Norway international has scored 28 goals in 26 top flight matches so far this season. City midfielder Phil Foden has also been ruled out of the game, which is obviously on lunchtime on Saturday. It's at the Etihad. That's after he had his appendix removed last weekend. Pep Guardiola's side trail current leaders Arsenal by eight points, although though they do have a game in hand. Yeah, it uh, should be interesting. Uh, Donal asks, Shane Long was right to be aggrieved. He uh, said he earned that number nine jersey. Adamita really hadn't. Uh, Long deserved more respect, says Donal. Again, it's a ceremony. It's a jersey. He probably wasn't getting game time anyway, and it's pretty inconsequential. It's not really slapping him about the face with a glove and saying, I challenge you to a duel. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't disagree. I think, I think Shane Long should have probably played... Just- more than he did for him. like 88 caps is remarkable but I'd say a lot of those late 88 caps came yeah. through yeah came through towards the end of his uh, impact role mm. I remember the polling game particularly where he came on and Ireland always looked like they had a new injection of pace and work great when he came onto the pitch like we'll always have the Germany goal as well he'll be very fondly remembered for a lot of those moments but probably didn't quite become the out and out starting undisputed number 9 we all thought he'd be at one point uh, we'll get to some Formula 1 as well Amory, before we wrap up world champion Max Verstappen is still suffering with a virus ahead of this weekend Australian Grand Prix. The Dutch driver said he felt like he was racing with one lung in Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks ago. He finished second there behind Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez. Verstappen holds a slender one-point lead in the current standings. So, so good at Red Bull, Richie. It yeah. means he can be both ill yeah. and way back in the grid and he can still finish second. That's what can stop for stepping. It's quite a motor, uh, I have to say. Come on, guys, sports people wear their identities around uh, a number selection. Just look at their Twitter handles Connor Murray, nine, Carlos, five, Puyol, uh, Rio Ferdi, five. That's different uh, at club level, though. And Rio Ferdinand Ward, number 23 for West Ham as well. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, you know, I like you get that and CR7 and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, things changed Messi couldn't get the 10 when he went to PSG. Best player of all time. There you go. go Aiden O'Shea's Twitter handle is AIDOXI. The Roman numerals. And he wears 14. He wears 14, 14 now. Yeah, so. yeah. Hasn't he worn like his midfielder numbers as well? Mike? Yeah, yeah. There you go. He's played in that number elsewhere as well. But yeah. Keep those you don't have to totally commit to the brand. You can just branch out. Kind of <laughs> explore other avenues. That's what, that's what being young is all about. Go and try out other numbers. Why not? That's life.